ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. Breaking news into NFL Live. Adam Schefter has the latest surrounding Alvin Kamara. What can you tell us? Well, Phil, there were a slew of suspensions today, but none bigger than the one involving the Saints running back Alvin Kamara, who was suspended a short time ago by the National Football League for three games for his role in a fight at the Pro Bowl, the eve of the Pro Bowl, in 2022 in Las Vegas. Now, he had a chance at that point in time. He essentially injured, helped injure one man on the eve of the Pro Bowl. He faced a felony charge, but accepted a plea deal that reduced his charge to breach of peace, which is a misdemeanor. Earlier this week, Alvin Kamara met with the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, to explain his side of the case. And then earlier today, he met with members of the media to apologize for his role in the incident, saying that he embarrassed his city, his organization, his family, himself, and he regretted his role in that fight. Now, Chris Lamons, a, a player who played for the Chiefs, signed recently with the Colts, he also was suspended three games, but Alvin Kamara will miss the opening game against the Tennessee Titans. He's eligible to return in week four against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this matter that has stood out there since the Pro Bowl of 2022 now has been resolved. There'll be no appeal. Alvin Kamara is out the first three games of this season. Phil. And Schefter, you mentioned that Alvin Kamara did address the media earlier today. This was prior to the suspension being announced. Take a listen. You know, I never want to be involved in something where someone gets hurt or severely injured or anything. Um, poor judgment on my end. Uh, definitely a, a bad decision, but I'm a man. Everything I've ever done in my life, I stood on, and, and I, I, I could take accountability for it, and I could say when I'm wrong, and I was completely wrong. I've lost a lot uh, throughout this ordeal. Definitely not looking for any pity, not looking for somebody to give me a pat on the back and say it's okay. Um, I, know what I, I know what I did. I know what I was involved in, and um, I definitely take responsibility, and, you know, that's, that's part of being a man and growing. You know, from here, I just got to make the right decisions. I don't expect the team to miss a beat. You know, they got to keep going if I'm here or not. Keep moving. Like it's not, nothing is going. Nothing is going to stop. I expect, if I do, I expect them to go and win for however long that I'm suspended. Like it's just, I mean, it sucks to say. Like I might, I, I could possibly get, be getting suspended. Do I want to be out there? Yeah, but I expect them. To, I, don't, I don't expect any drop off. All right, there's Kamara earlier today. We say hello to our entire NFL Live crew, meaning Kimes, Ryan Clark, and of course Adam Schefter. And RC, I'll start with you. What do you make of this suspension? Three games for Alvin Kamara. Well, obviously, the commissioner and the NFL did their investigation into what happened on that night in Las Vegas, and it's determined that Alvin Kamara was culpable. Alvin Kamara does have to serve some sort of punishment or suspension for his involvement in this fight. He seems to have taken accountability for that. He seems to understand that his part in whatever took place was something that he should have chose differently in. But now you got to think about the way that this affects the New Orleans Saints. You, you would, you would expect 
expect with Derek Carr in his first year as quarterback there for a lot of things to be run through Alvin Kamara and that is in the run game and the pass game. Michael Thomas is back healthy. Chris Olave was a revelation especially pushing the ball down the field as a rookie and so not having Alvin Kamara in this offense while trying to get Derek Carr acclimated is a huge deal but this serves as a notice for all players when you get into some of these incidents off of the field it not only hurts you personally hurts you individually as far as the way that you are seen perceived or the way that you should conduct yourself but it also hurts your team yeah um i think that this sort of takes us back to the signing of jamal williams who is alvin Kamara's backup makes a lot of sense now that the saints are so proactive in bringing him onto their team and i you know i think look I'm not saying that Jamal Williams is as good or his ceiling is as high as Alvin Kamara, especially both in the run and the and the receiving as a receiver. But last year in Detroit, he had better numbers than Kamara on more carries, actually. Finished 10th in the NFL in success rate, which is a metric I like to look at because it accounts for down and distance. Kamara was outside the top 30. Now, uh, Williams benefited from, I think, better blocking in Detroit. But as far as insurance policies goes, go for uh, New Orleans, this is a really good one because he does bring, I think, uh, both rushing and receiving ability that will help them those first three weeks. They start off against Tennessee, which was the best run defense in the NFL last year. But after that, you get the Panthers, who were middling, the Packers, who were terrible in run defense. Mm. So I don't think all hope is lost in the rushing attack uh, with this three-game suspension. Yeah, it's a situation. Not only did they sign Jamal Williams, Mina, but they went out and used a third-round draft pick on TCU running back Kendra Miller. So now they have Jamal Williams. They have Kendra Miller. They have other backs. They knew that Alvin Kamara was going to get suspended. And the question was how long it was going to be. And I yeah. think the Saints feel probably pretty fortunate that it's only three games, considering there was some video footage of this incident. Alvin Kamara tried to essentially limit the damage by meeting with Roger Goodell this week, and the league has sent a very strong message on many of these offenses in the past. Three games in this particular case almost seems light by the league, yeah. but the league handed down the suspension. He won't appeal, and now it'll be Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller in New Orleans during Alvin Kamara's yeah. absence. There was a time right around this time last year when we wondered whether Alvin Kamara would be suspended for part of the 2022 regular season. We waited an entire year, but again, he is out now for three games to begin the 2023 regular season. Not the only bit of news involving player discipline, Shefty, as we also learned about a Chiefs free agent addition who will be suspended as well. What more can you tell us? Charles Amenahu, who Kansas City signed during the offseason field, has been suspended for the first six games of the season for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. And it goes back to an incident in January, where there was a report of domestic violence, his girlfriend called police to their home for the suspicion of domestic violence. Essentially, they interviewed the woman. They interviewed Amenahu. This is a case that went on. They took these statements from each of the individuals in this alleged case of domestic violence. And ultimately, in the end, the NFL decided to suspend Amenahu for six games, which it handed down. He will be eligible to return later this season. Another uh, suspension for a violation of the personal conduct policy came down. That was D. Eskridge, the wide receiver 
for the Seattle Seahawks in his second season, third season now, I should say. So a day of punishment being handed out around the NFL. Just getting started here on NFL Live as the Panthers are looking to make noise in the NFC with their revamped offense. Here the one skilled player that Mina is keeping an eye on, that's not Bryce Young. Plus, what can we expect from Brock Purdy, Chris Olave, and Derek Stingley in their sophomore seasons? Our analysts weigh in on whether these second-year stars are primed for a slump or a jump in 2023. NFL Live is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. I'm at the finish line. No other power diminish mine. <clears throat> ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Back on NFL Live with many more top stories around the NFL with Adam Schefter. And Schefter, what more can you tell us about other news out of New Orleans? Yeah, all right, Phil. Before Alvin Kamara was suspended for seven games, the New Orleans Saints signed their Pro Bowl defensive end Cameron Jordan to a multi-year contract extension through the 2025 season. Jordan's played in 16 games every year during his 12-year career in New Orleans. He's now tied contractually to New Orleans through his 15th NFL season and his 115 career sacks right now are second most behind only Von Miller at this point in time. Meanwhile, no J.K. Dobbins on the field in Baltimore. Yes, he's still coming off assorted injuries that have plagued him in recent years, but I think he also has a case of contractitis, which has afflicted a number of players across <laughs> the league. And if and when they could figure out a new contract, I would imagine his injuries might feel a little bit better. And until then, they'll continue to keep J.K. Dobbins off the field. Jeff Okuda, the hard luck cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons, who Detroit traded to Atlanta this offseason, was carted off the field today after he suffered an ankle injury. He's going to undergo an MRI. The Falcons head coach Arthur Smith said he hopes he's okay. Everybody's hoping that Jeff Okuda is okay. You'd just like him to be healthy, to show what he finally can do. We'll hope for the very best on that MRI. And last night, the Chicago Bears signed the best free agent pass rusher out there right now, Yannick Nkagwe, to a one-year deal worth of $10.5 million that included $10 million guaranteed. The Bears were last in the NFL last season in sacks, last in the NFL in quarterback pressures, and that is the reason why they were so aggressive and willing to pay such a high price for Yannick Ngakwe. At this point in the season, the Bears finally land a pass rusher that they desperately needed. Yeah, he's a splash player. That much is for sure, Shefty. I hope that you have trademarked contractitis. That's a very good one. The Panthers down in the NFC South have handed the reins over to Bryce Young. The number one overall pick was named somewhat recently by his head coach as the starting quarterback. For more on the Panthers, we head down to the Panthers training campus. Our Jeremy Fowler is at the team's facility now. And Jeremy, what more can you tell us 
about how Bryce Young has already impacted his team. Well, Phil, we were here at Panthers practice, and Bryce Young had an uncharacteristic moment of frustration. He took a coverage sack in 11-man work, jogged down the field, chucked the ball into the turf in disgust. But that was a small blip in another strong day for Young. Threw the ball with zip, no interceptions, lots of stretching the field vertically. And they're very happy with what they have in Bryce Young, including defensive end Brian Burns, who said he got duped by Young in a play today. Check this out. He got me today, actually. I was dropping in a hook. Uh... Pretty simple, but uh, he kind of looked me off and like, I guess gave a little pump fake, so I bit on the cheese and he hit me over top for a big one. So I'm going to get him back. <laughs> but it's good to have that on the other side. I think he's going to be great for us. The Panthers have encouraged Young to continue to make mistakes if you have to. If you throw an interception, but you're just testing things out to see if it's going to play in a game, what's going to work and what doesn't, they are totally okay with that. And I'm told from people with the Panthers that he's been really advanced at making checks at the line of scrimmage, sometimes even checking into a play they hadn't even installed yet, dating back to the spring. He was showing that sort of precedent. They like his quick release, and they feel he has adequate arm strength. So all signs are pointing upward here in Carolina for Bryce Young. Good to hear. Bryce Young, certainly the face of that franchise going forward. Sounds like he's making a hot start early on. Uh, Mina, I wouldn't say there's a dominant player amongst the Panthers skill group, but is there somebody that you think can step up and help Bryce Young in year one? Yeah, I, I think DJ Chark has become underrated. Uh, first, I'll say this about the Panthers offense and what I expect this year. I don't think it's going to be a bombs away unit. I think it's going to be uh, a very RPO-centric offense predicated on getting yards after the catch. Frank Reich, Thomas Brown are going to use spread the field horizontally, get the ball out of Bryce's hands quickly. And that combined with an, a very good offensive line and ascendant one, I think will make it efficient. But for me, the difference between this offense being merely efficient and being good and actually having the necessary safe, uh, spacing is DJ Chark. Because amongst all of their skill players, he is the one guy on this roster who I think can really separate downfield, give Bryce Young a deep target. When he's healthy, he has been able to do that. He did it in Detroit uh, when he wasn't injured. So if he can live up to that and some of the potential he showed earlier in the career, I think that lifts the ceiling of this offense. Mina is absolutely right. When you look at DJ Chark and what he did in Jacksonville and while healthy in Detroit, he's a guy that can stretch the field. He also has a long catch radius as well. A kid right here yeah. from LSU, so you know I had to show a little love. But when you think <laughs> of a guy like LaVisca Chenault, and you heard Mina mention the RPO, look at LaVisca Chenault and kind of his skill set. He's a catch and run guy. He's a guy you can use on jet sweeps, even put in the backfield. You can get him on those quick screens when you have the numbers that's a guy that you can get the football out of your hand if you're Bryce Young and have him make, play, make plays for you I feel like he was underutilized with the last staff after coming over from Jacksonville and don't forget about Miles Sanders who helped Jalen Hurts in that RPO zone read sort of offense as well in Philadelphia that's another added piece for a guy like Bryce Young who has total control of those sorts of spread offenses with his decision-making, ability yeah. to check at the line, and a guy who's extremely accurate in the intermediate part of the field. Yeah, to add some more perspective on just how much change there's been in this passing offense, just two players last year had over 30 catches for the Panthers. DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey. You may know that both of them are now former Panthers, no longer playing for <laughs> the franchise. All right, coming up here on NFL Live, 
The Patriots defense will certainly have its work cut out for it in a very high-powered AFC East, but stick around here where RC thinks this squad will be more capable of locking down opposing offenses than most. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Get back to our breaking news here on NFL Live. Adam Schefter, what more can you tell us about Saints running back Alvin Kamara? Say, uh, Field, the NFL suspended four players today, but none were any more significant than the three-game suspension for the Saints Pro Bowl running back Alvin Kamara, who met Wednesday in New York with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. He was involved in a fight on the eve of the Pro Bowl in Las Vegas in 2022, and the NFL determined that it was a three-game suspension that was warranted. He'll miss the first three games of the season and essentially be eligible to return in week four against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, there was a cornerback, Chris Lamons, involved in that fight as well. He recently signed with the Indianapolis Colts. He, too, was suspended three games for his role in that fight as well. But Kamara and Lamons suspended today by the NFL for three games each. All right, Sheffield, that's the news out of New Orleans. Three games for Alvin Kamara, Jamal Williams, and Kendrick Miller expected to step up. There was football last night. How about the Hall of Fame game as the Jets and the Browns met in Canton, Ohio? Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, amongst the many starters for both teams that did not actually suit up in the game. Here's Zach Wilson taking over. Can't find anyone open. Looks to scramble and then uh, can't quite keep his feet. Trips just a little short of that first down. Uh, the Jets will go on to punt. There you see Rodgers and Wilson consulting. This is more like it. How about this? Zach Wilson launching a deep throw to Malik Taylor. Good for a 57-yard gain. Wilson would finish 3 of 5 for 65 yards. The Jets up 16 to 7 at half. Go to the second half. Dorian Thompson-Robinson evades the pressure. He's the exciting Browns rookie out of UCLA. Scrambles to his right. Takes out one defender. And then more for the first down. Very, very good athlete. Can't wait to see more of DTR this preseason. And then here we are, DT Robinson handing it off to Demetrius Felton Jr. Those guys both played at UCLA. Look at the block, by the way. DTR on the edge, springing Felton for the touchdown. 16-14 game. The Jets still have the lead. And then let's keep things rolling here into the fourth quarter. Dorian Thompson Robinson finding Austin Watkins Jr. 22 yards upcoming for the score. Browns take the lead. Browns go on to hold on for the lead. The Browns are the only undefeated team with a win on their ledgers so far this preseason. 21-16, the Browns are the winners. Makai Becton for the Jets did play, left the game early because of some knee discomfort. Take a listen to what he had to say. That turf isn't, 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 isn't friendly for people of my size and my type of injury, so. Yeah, I, I was feeling it in warm up, so I just I just pulled myself a little early. I'm, I'm good though. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm sure. How's it feeling, Makai? Is that pain? Is it just discomfort? Like, what, just what a little discomfort. Yeah, I'm good though. I'm sure. Jesse, been a lot of injuries from Makai Becton recently. What more do you know about this one specifically? 
The Jets didn't sound overly concerned. It's the first preseason game. They're playing on the field turf. They want to be careful. There's no reason to force him through any of that. I think he played only eight snaps altogether. So they're going to be careful. They're going to monitor that, but they don't sound overly concerned at this point in time about Mekhi Becton. In your right field, he has battled through any number of injuries during the course of his career that have prevented him from fulfilling his potential. The Jets hope he can be healthy and hope that he can get back to some of that form. He looked like a keeper all the way back during his rookie season. Unfortunately, injuries have really held him up in subsequent seasons since then. Good to have you back, football. Looking forward to more preseason action next week. Let's go to New England as the Patriots are looking to turn things around after finishing 8-9 and nine last season. Of course, much of the focus on that offense. Quarterback Mac Jones spoke yesterday about enjoying the game a bit more after an admittedly frustrating 2022 season. That's one of the things this offseason I uh, put a lot of thought into is just enjoying the game and we got to just have that juice every day I feel like you know it comes from the leader and, and the leaders of the team so you just have to go out there and have fun that dude man he, he's a spark you know he's a spark at our offense you know it starts with him and we kind of just all feed off of it and uh, when he's having fun we're having fun the confidence levels is you know through the roof honestly Mac pulls up and we just make up new dances as we go and that was just one of many <laughs> man who has plenty of Patriots information and occasional dance moves, our guy Mike Reese, our ESPN Patriots reporter. And Mike, earlier today we heard from Bill O'Brien, the Patriots offensive coordinator. What did he have to say about, about Mac Jones and the team's quarterback situation? Field, one thing Bill O'Brien said that I sort of circled uh, in red marker, if you will, was I've really, really enjoyed coaching him. The, the second really for effect, and it showed up. Bill O'Brien saying Mac Jones has taken most of the number one reps as you would expect, followed by Bailey Zappi taking the second reps. And Mac Jones, his enjoyment playing for Bill O'Brien has shown on the field back-to-back uh, -back days, touchdown passes to Juju Smith-Schuster. And as you heard him say, they start dancing. And that sort of reflects what Mac wants to get back to, the idea like he feels like he's a fun guy, that people want to play with him. and. They didn't have much of that field last year. And I would say tonight in the stadium, they've had eight training camp practices. It's the ninth tonight. They're going to have sort of a team lineup where they learn where to go, you know, for a game and then have their first in-stadium practice tonight. Yeah, Mike, that stadium, by the way, looking very, very good. Tell us more about what's behind you. That might be the largest scoreboard that I have ever seen. They just actually had a news conference to unveil it. It's their new scoreboard. Uh, here at Gillette Stadium, they're billing it as the largest uh, scoreboard for an outdoor stadium uh, in the country. Um, and they said something like, if, if you were to put Devin McCourty up there, there would be like 652 of them. That's how big it is, more than half an acre. I'm going to start measuring all things in life relative to the Devin McCourty scale. 652 Devin McCourty's fit on that video board. We could fit 912 Devin McCourty's here in the NFL Live studio. As always, great stuff. From Mike Reese covering the Patriots. Mike, we'll talk to you again soon. Enjoy that practice tonight in the stadium. All right, I mean, of course, much of the discussion this offseason has deservedly been on the Patriots' offense, but that Patriots' defense has some personnel. What stands out as you study it? Oh, Field, you've been filling in all summer, and you know there's maybe few things that make me happier than talking about the Patriots' defense yes. and stifling a smile. I just love them so much. Uh, I love the way they're built. I'm going to talk about that today because – I think that the way they're built, and it is unique when it comes to their personnel, makes them uniquely uh, capable of stopping the things that modern offenses do well. One of which is, I think, stopping 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field. You're seeing more of the good offenses 
lean on that grouping. The Patriots typically counter it with their sub packages, nickel and dime, and yet, Despite the fact that those are supposed to be lighter groupings and you shouldn't be able to run on them out of 12, they allow the fifth lowest yards per carry when teams run the ball. I think that speaks to how this team is built in terms of having safeties and linebackers who can do everything, who are multiple, who are all so dang good at tackling. This is why when we look at this unit headed into this season, despite the fact that the aforementioned McCourty is gone, I am not worried about them. There's so much talent on that side of the ball. And Ryan, it's not just talent, it's unique talent. Yeah, and you think about the way that they utilize that talent. Nina mentioned that they can play nickel and dime to 12 personnel. That's because of their young DB core. And a guy like Kyle Duggar, who comes from small Lenore Ryan school, but he's one of those guys that puts you in that lawyer Malloy, Rodney Harrison sort of mindset, but maybe yeah. even more athletic. And then you look at some of the young corners that they have in Jack Jones and Marcus Jones and Jonathan Jones and any other Jones you <laughs> might think of, along with drafting <laughs> Christian Gonzalez, they can utilize these people to match up with body types, styles of route running, and really have guys that they can move around and find ways to stop different personnel groupings based off of the talent that they have on the back end. And we know that Bill Belichick has always been great at matching size and matching personnel. I love what yeah. they do. Obviously, Matthew Judon rushes the quarterback in an amazing way, but it's the back end being able to be tight in coverage and turn the football over that has me excited about this defense going in to 2023 and you know Ryan I try not to buy into summer hype too much when it comes to rookies but when I hear the reports out of Patriots camp about the linebacker they drafted Marte Mapu and how yeah. he's flying around the field he's gonna start he can tackle he can hit yeah. he can cover I'm like how does Bill Belichick keep getting away with this? How does he keep finding these guys? Because I yeah. instantly believe he's going to be a contributor because of how good they've been at scouting these uh, second level, second and third level defenders. Yeah, it sounds like the Patriots have a real chance to get significant contributions from each of their first three picks all on the defensive side of the ball. And listen, I get it. The Patriots want to be better than the 16th best scoring defense, but this is a wild stat. They have been a top 16, as in like top half scoring defense, for the last 17 years. You'd figure one season they might get mm, unlucky yeah. and just have a couple mm. of bad games. Instead, 17 straight years of above-average defense. All right, still to come. Belichick, here, guys, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, Terry McCourt has high expectations for Sam Howe. He even compares him to someone he once played. I play with Joe Burrow. I'm not saying he's Joe, but he kind of got a little bad in him where you just like, I'm, I don't got to say too much, but you're going to see. ESPN Fantasy Football is the number one fantasy game, and with the season right around the corner, get your league started now at ESPN.com slash fantasy football. Search for Fantasy Focus on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. The Houston Texans select Derek Stingley Jr., Chris Olave, Brock Purdy. That's when I knew this class was going to be special. You know, we're the best class I've ever been around. The guy that you know is your future. He's just a special, special player. New segment of sorts.
here for rookies that ended the year on a high in 2022. Now time to ask if they're going to have a sophomore slump or sophomore jump. Up first is 2022's Mr. Relevant, Brock Purdy, who was one of the most efficient passers in the league last year. Starting week 13 when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, Purdy tied for the league lead in touchdown passes and ranked second in yards per attempt. He certainly got help from the players around him as after the catch, the San Francisco 49ers averaged the most yak in the league. They've done so for five straight years. Chaffee, slump or jump for Mr. Purdy? Well, anyone that has lunch with Ryan Clark in the 49ers cafeteria is bound to take a jump. And the fact that he's even out there at all field means he gets a jump because he's been out there this summer. He's been out there about every other day. And the 49ers have been very pleased with what they've seen. He's ahead of schedule. He's making progress. He's on track to recover from that ulnar collateral ligament surgery. And the 49ers couldn't be happier to see what they have so far this summer out of Brock Purdy. The fact that he's out there alone at all needs a jump. The fact that he had lunch with RC, bonus. I had lunch with RC once in the ESPN cafeteria. I'm not sure what that means, but it's pretty cool. Now down to Houston and Derek Stingley, the third overall pick in 2022. His rookie year was cut short by a hamstring injury, but in nine games, he allowed zero touchdowns on 47 targets as the nearest defender. That was the fifth most targets without allowing a score for any cornerback last season. And in his final three games before the injury, how about this? He gave up a combined 23 Yards, RC, slump or jump for Sting? It's going to be a jump for Derek Stingley. Listen, Sting has been the guy at that position since he was 14 years old right here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And you could see the skill last year. You could see the sticky coverage. I'm expecting him to get the football more because he has elite level ball skills and getting comfortable in D'Amico Ryan's defense, especially with that pass rush because you drafted a Will Anderson Jr. I expect to see Derek Stingley putting up Pro Bowl numbers this year down in Houston. LSU! Let's stay down in New Orleans. It's the professional level. Third wide receiver off the board in 2022 was Chris Olave. He eclipsed 1,000 yards as a rookie, but the best could be yet to come based off of his efficiency. He averaged nearly two and a half yards per route run last year. That was the fifth best by any rookie wideout in the last 15 season. And look at the company he keeps. A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, Odell Beckham Jr., and Jamar Chase. That is a silly stat. I was 2.49 yards, basically two and a half. So Mina, slump or jump for Olave? Well, it's hard to make a jump from there, but I'm going to go with jump just because of how good Chris Olave looked, how he really delivered on the promise of everything he showed in college in terms of the smoothness of his routes, separation ability, the hands. That stat we put up, yards per route run, it's a great one to look at wide receivers because it shows not only how efficient they were and productive, but how, how much they were used. He was the focal point of this offense and delivered. Now, hopefully, with Michael Thomas in the mix, he might get easier matchups. He also has Derek Carr throwing in the football. I think he's going to have another excellent year. I cannot wait to watch him this season. I am so excited about Chris Olave. Now on to Sam Howell, who is looking to lead the Commanders to an NFC East title. The coolest person I know, RC, sat down with Washington wide receiver Terry McLaurin. He also rules on the Pivot Podcast this week. Take a listen. It's definitely a quarterback-driven league, and I think that's been a challenge since I've been here to find that guy. And I've been blessed and fortunate to play with a multitude of guys where I've learned a lot from all of them, but we're still looking for that consistency at that position. And what I've seen from Sam where he just has a, a confidence about him where he doesn't say too much, but he comes out on the field and then you look up and in 707 he may not have missed a throw. And 
you know, he, he in Dallas, he's running over people and he's kind of getting up with some swag. You're like, all right, now it's kind of, I play with Joe Burrow. I'm not saying he Joe, but he kind of got a little bad in him where you just like, I, I don't got to say too much, but you're going to see. First of all, love me some Terry McLaurin. Second of all, RC, what's the Eric the Enemy effect on Sam Howell and this entire commander's offense? Listen, it was a totally different feel when we went down to Washington. The intensity, even in the walkthrough, the attention to deep of urgency. Terry McLaurin even said Eric the enemy has gotten on to me a lot in the offseason and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying being coached hard because if they can see me, a leader, being coached like this by Eric the enemy, then that's going to trickle down to the rest of the team. This is a guy that is seen within the league as part of it's being one of the architects to what Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs have built offensively and so now bringing that to Washington, that level of confidence, that level of attention to detail will only make this team better. But I think it's extremely important for Sam Howell. You love being around someone who has been through it before. And no, I'm not saying he's going to be Joe Burrow like Terry McLaurin said mm. he had a little bit. And he's certainly not going to be Patrick Mahomes. But it's great to be around people who knows what it's supposed to look like from a young, productive quarterback. And Eric Bieniemy has absolutely seen that before. Yeah, there are a lot of things that I think Eric Bieniemy can do to improve what we've seen from this offense over the last couple of years, obviously beginning with uh, making life easy for Howell. But for me, a lot of it actually starts with improving a run game that was awful last mm. season. It was a team that ran the football the second highest rate on early downs in the NFL behind Tennessee. But unlike Tennessee, was absolutely terrible at it. Now, yeah. you're returning the same running backs uh, in terms of Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson. I don't know if the offensive line will be that much better, but I think from a schematic perspective, there's ways to help this rushing attack that actually starts with the passing game, making defenses respect the entire field, leaning into RPOs as a constraint. I keep hitting that with Sam Howell going back to his college days. I really think this offense can be a very good RPO offense. So if linebackers overplay the run, they can punish them. And then also, and, and McLaurin alluded to this with the, when he mentioned uh, Howell running guys over, use Sam Howell as a keeper option. That dude can run. Mm. I remember watching him at UNC. He breaks mm. tackles. He has good straight line speed. Yeah. And if he is a threat to keep the ball, that conflict will help the backs. And I think if they can just improve the run game, the offense will go from there. Well, I mean, you're talking about the scheme, and the scheme should be improved. And if the scheme is as improved as we think it could be, if you look at the personnel and you talk to the coaches who are interviewing for that offensive coordinator job this past offseason, the one thing that they said almost to a man was they could not believe how the Washington Commanders' offensive personnel was such an attraction to the job. Mm -hmm. And I remember speaking to some people and saying, well, yeah. are you aware of the state of the organization? <laughs> and they said, yes, but this is awfully appealing and awfully attractive to go work with the talent that there is on this offense. So if you take that talent, the talent that a lot of people believe is really there, and you combine it with a the scheme, then we should see some significant improvement from this Washington Commander's offense this upcoming season. 
I mean, obviously, Mina pointed out that this offensive line has to play better, and they do have a little bit of consistency at those positions. But when you look at Terry McLaurin and Dotson, and you also think of Logan Thomas at the tight end position, there are skilled players on this team that give you an opportunity to win and win big if you can push the football down the field. One thing that stuck out to me with Terry McLaurin was he told me, in the offseason, there were a couple of deep balls that I had to accelerate for. He said, I'd gotten so used to having to slow up and try to high point the ball. And if, so if Sam Howell is a guy that can push the football down the field, yeah. now you can get some light boxes and maybe running oh, the man. ball will be more efficient for this team yeah. who seemed to feel like three yards in a cloud of dust was good enough to compete last year when it obviously wasn't. Man, man RC, it's just like, can we just get an accurate throw down the field? Like, I don't like the idea of a wide receiver having yeah. to decelerate. A new era <laughs> is upon us in Washington. It's a good thing. I hope Sam Howell's a dude because that team started 12 quarterbacks over the past five years. Next, with elite new pieces, Micah Parsons thinks this year's Cowboys defense could be up there with some of the greatest units of all time. Mean and RC weigh in on how this squad compares to the legendary Legion of Boom. Live is brought to you by Liberty Mutual Insurance. Only pay for what you need. Get back to some top stories around the NFL. Many involving holdouts. Sheffy, what do you got? Started with the latest on Nick Bosa. Well, Phil, this is interesting because Nick Bosa is on his rookie contract. So his $40,000 a day fine is rescindable. So if and when they can figure it out, the 49ers would have the right not to impose those fines, unlike the other veteran holdouts under contract. But the two sides don't appear to be close to a deal just yet. We'll see if they can get it figured out. Similar story in Kansas City. Chris Jones, Kansas City Chiefs, he hasn't reported. He is subject to that fine every day, $40,000, non-rescindable. He will have to pay it. And my understanding is, at this point in time, the two sides don't appear to be close to an extension. Maybe something could change that. It hasn't yet. In the interim, Jones remains away from Chiefs camp, and they certainly need him to have the type of pass rush that he has generated. Zach Martin still not back in Dallas Cowboys camp. He, too, is a holdout. The Cowboys don't appear to be willing to budge very much so far wow. with Zach Martin. They've gone ahead. They've extended other players. We've seen Trayvon Diggs get extended. And today, earlier today, we saw them reach agreement with their safety, Malik Hooker, on a three-year, $24 million extension that includes $16.5 million guaranteed. He's going to sign that deal while Zach Martin stays home. And so there are Cowboys who have gotten paid, but Zach Martin is not one of them. Oh, and we should also point out that Malik Hooker shares the same agent with Micah Parsons, who the Cowboys already are talking about paying. And so maybe this is a little bit of a way to get out in front of that negotiation. Not bad negotiating tactics there from the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously want to see Zach Martin's situation get settled, but man, what a cool story from Malik Hooker resurrecting his career. The, the Cowboys have a chance on defense to be outstanding once again. The strength last year was their pass rush, which was one of the best in recent memory. They pressured the quarterback on 39% of dropbacks, the highest rate in the 14 seasons since ESPN began tracking pressure. The gap between the Cowboys and the second-place Packers was larger than the gap between Green Bay and the 12th-place team in pressure rate. This is the crazy part. Micah Parsons thinks there's even more room to go high. Where I think this defense could be, I think we could be up there with, you know, 
the 49 a great defense. You know, I think we could be up there with the Ray Lewis's of defenses. You know, I think we could be up there with the Legion of Boom. Just with the talent we have, the vet guys mixed in with young guys, the experience that we all have. Because I just feel like, you know, since my rookie year, we got thrown in the fire. And we just keep building that experience of tough games, hard games, playoff level games. We got some elite guys, some elite talent. You know, I think that uh, we really got a great chance. All right, Legion of Boom, not Legion of Boom, certainly lofty comparisons, Mina. Do you see some similarities between this defense and the Legion of Boom? Uh, well, Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator, and that's where I think it gets kind of interesting because um, the Legion of Boom, that Seattle defense, was structurally very different from what we see in Dallas. It was cover three based defense, the cornerbacks played sides. It was all based on the fact that. In Earl Thomas, they had a single a center fielder at safety who was the rangiest safety in the NFL, one of the mm. greatest to ever do it, in my opinion. Whereas now in, in Dallas, this is they play a lot of cover one, they move guys around, they play a ton of dime, uh, and then it all starts, of course, with that terrifying four-man rush that makes everything possible. The fact that Dan Quinn is the coordinator and that he is sort of this connective fiber, I really think is a testament to Quinn and his ability to evolve because the way Seattle played defense in the 2012-ish, you know, time frame is not really tenable in today's NFL with its strict rules. You have to be a little bit more malleable. You have to be able to dictate to offenses the way Dallas does. And I think um, it's incredibly impressive that Quinn has changed in that regard. When you look at what DQ as the players and the other coaches on the team call him. When you look at what he's been able to do, as in keeping up with the times, but the way Mina talks about him adjusting, it's because he trusts his coaching staff. He trusts the Al Harris's. He trusts the Joe Witts on the back end to come up with things, things to uniquely use the players and the personnel that they have. They call their safety group the three-headed monster. That's J-Rod Curse, Donovan Wilson, and the aforementioned Malik Hooker. But they all do specific things and they don't put them in a position where they're, they're using their negatives against them or where they can accentuate their weaknesses. They're allowing their positives to be the positions that they play. And now you add Stephon Gilmore to Trayvon Diggs on the other side and an underrated second-year player in Deron Bland, who I think is going to be a top-notch nickel. This team can do anything on the back end. And up front, when you have Micah Parsons now playing both sides, Demarcus Lawrence being willing to move around, and Amazi Smith, who can be a run stopper on first and second down the sky's the limit for this defense and the one thing I took from Michael Parsons this week at practice is he doesn't think in goods he only thinks in greats when he when I asked him what type of player he wanted to be thought of he didn't say Hall of Fame players he said there are different rooms I want to be in the room that Lawrence Taylor's in I want to be in the room that Aaron Donald's in you only get in those rooms if they start talking about you as the best to have ever done it and that's where he wants to be but that's also where he sees this defense going this year. And listen, when you heard Jerry Jones address Zach Martin's contractual situation last week, and they asked about paying Zach Martin, who's one of the best guards, if not the best guard in all of football, he said, we have a guy that we have to pay next year that we're already getting ready for. He was thinking more about Micah Parsons and his contract and taking care of one of the great all-time guards right now. That's how dominant Micah Parsons is. He is almost single-handedly changed the way that we view that defense. And who knows that better than RC, who gets to watch practice from the perch this week with the Joneses. I mean, I, 
The perch, RC? They offered me something out of the, the cooler, too. Really? He offered, he offered me something out the cooler. You say yes, I can't though. tell y'all what's in the cooler, <laughs> but he offered me something Man, out the cooler, guys. I'm coming back as RC Just saying. in my next Just play. saying. All right, we got time for one more wow. thing here on NFL Live, and this is good stuff. Here. Take a listen to Texans wide receiver John Mechie, who has been back on the field. This entire year has been eventful for sure. Um, has its ups and downs, but being back on the field feels great. Um, it's been a long way coming, but um, it definitely feels like a blessing and it's something you're grateful for every day. I was really grateful um, that day that I was just able to come out here and start playing the game I love again. Um, Worry-free, um, just able to play ball, not have to worry about much, um, but just playing ball. So I was really grateful that day. RC, this is as good as it gets right here from John Mechie. I mean, this puts things in perspective. This was a guy that going into his last two games out of Alabama was a first-round pick. He blew his knee out, found out that he had cancer, and now he's beat it, and it's back to doing and playing the game that he loves. I love this for Mechie. I love this for the Houston Texans. Respect to you, John Mechie. NFL Live. Back on Monday.